This is What's In with Olaplex. I'm your host, Danielle Frank. Together, we break down all things beauty, health, and wellness and discuss not just what's out, but also what's in. Today, I am joined by body image advocate, Natalia Freitas, to discuss what's in and what's out with scars. Together, we talk about the complex relationship we may have with our scars and the journey towards embracing them. In 2018, Natalia began opening up and speaking about her facial scars. Since then, she has launched her Instagram account, Loving My Dots, which is dedicated to creating a community around people with visible differences. And she continues sharing her story on platforms such as South by Southwest. And if you want to stay on trend, follow us at What's In Podcast on social media and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Natalia, thank you for taking time out of your day to come and join us today. Thank you so much for having me. Can you share your story about your scarring? Where did it come from? Yeah, so I was actually born with a condition called CMN. It is a very rare condition. And to keep it simple, it's basically a bigger amount of melanin in the skin. And I was born with this gigantic facial birthmark where... 40% of my face and also my scalp, they were covered with a gigantic birthmark. And I also have uh, little dots, as they call, which are uh, little uh, satellites all over my body, over a thousand. And they were not able to detect that before I was born. So when I was born, it was a surprise. So my mom decided to have my facial birthmark removed. So I started having uh, surgeries when I was nine months old. And then I had nine surgeries until I was 13. So the scars are a result of the surgeries that I had to remove my birthmark. Wow. And I'm, I'm curious, how did that affect you emotionally as you were growing up? It was challenging, I think, mostly because people would ask me about my face more than myself. So for a while, I was not aware that I was different. And I started being aware that I was different than other kids because people would ask me, right? And I'm from Brazil. We are very expressive and also... Back when I was a kid, there was no internet. So, mm. you know, we, don't, we didn't have the information we have now. We don't have the community we have now of people with disabilities, visible differences, and all the information we can access, right? So people were genuinely always impressed and shocked. And sometimes they would worry about, like, her face is dark. Is she okay? Is this a condition? Can we get whatever she has? So it was very confusing when people would look at me. So they would ask. And that was exhausting. All the questions like, I just want to be a kid. I just want to play. And I thought it was pretty. I My mom said that and I, I felt good about myself. I was very friendly and I was not shy at all. I was very playful and sassy. 
So I want to just be me and explore. So I always had that roadblock, that reminder. What happened to your face? This was always the question. What happened to your face? Do you feel like there was a point that you like were able to overcome that? Like you had that mind shift where you're like, I'm not going to allow this to bother me. I'm not going to use this as a roadblock. Yeah. I actually remember the day it happened. It's, it was so powerful. It's so strong. But that happened later. So probably first or second grade, I was like severely bullied. So I went back home. I think I was about to sleep and I started answering their question because they would say, what happened to your face? Why you look like this? Why you are not just normal? Okay, so simple. Yes, I am like this because I, that's the way I was born. I cannot change the way I look. And that's not the most important thing. I am a good friend. I'm a good student. I'm a good daughter. I am sweet. I'm kind. And that's what matters. I'm fun. If you are my friend, it's going to be fun to play with me. So I created all that conversation in my head, having the responses because when they would yell at me, when they would like just bully me, I would just freeze because I would agree with them. I would like, yeah, why? Why do I look like this? But when I stopped, it started accepting, right? That's a long journey. I'm still accepting. We are always still accepting ourselves. But I think that was like the moment I started embracing and not agreeing with what people were saying. That is remarkable for a child that age to be able to have that kind of consciousness to be able to break it down into something simple. Like, I pray that my kids have that same wherewithal with everything they do with their lives and they're a bit older. But, you know, I am really fascinated by the content that you make. How did that transition into that? Like, how did you suddenly go, well, I'm going to make content and really talk about this on social media? Yeah, so I had this really tough time as a, you know, my childhood and then going to high school. I had my first boyfriend and I met my best friends that I still, you know, am friends with today. And then I started moving away from my own story, right? Like, okay, I just want to be a student. I want to be a girlfriend. I want to be a woman. I want to take care of myself and be girly and go out and dance. I love dancing and explore, traveling. I went to the university. So I want to live that life and forget about that answer I have to have all the time, what happened to your face. So somehow I feel like I was pretending, ignoring, but as a way to survive, like, let me be free. So I wanna, when I was 25, I decided to come here to California, to the United States, to visit my family. I have my aunt and her family here to study English and decided to stay for good, went back to school, restarted my career in life. For some reason, I started taking selfies and I'm like, I'm going to do a selfie without my bangs. I'm going to do a selfie without a future. Let's see. And that was so revealing. It was so challenging. I had like a thousand followers was just my personal Instagram. And I started talking about how I felt. And I started getting DMs from coworkers from Brazil. I'm like, Natalia, I always have this question. I want to know more about you. You're so beautiful. But I felt like there was something else I need to know. 
So fast forward, I started getting a request from blogs and newspaper from different countries, like write for us, we want to hear you, we want to know your story. So I went to this Nevis conference in 2018, in July, in the summer, and there were a hundred people with Nevis. Wow. Because that is like a conference. We stay there five days and learn about the condition. And there were people from like babies to 80 years old lady that also had surgeries. And, you know, like it was very special to see different people from different cultures, men, women, all types of nevus too, because can be in your body as well. So that was like, whew, so special and like, oh, I'm not the only one in the world anymore. It is rare, but there are all these people and we exchange stories. We hung out for the whole weekend. And I felt like also so lucky to have uh, had support from family, my mom especially, and my friends, that it helped so much to accept myself faster. And then I saw value again in talking about my condition. And then at that time, no more only to people that would just be curious on the streets or new friends, but to the world. So I'm like, okay, my background is marketing. I love being creative. Why not using this social media thing that I was already working with, right? But not for myself to be like a blog. So in 2019, January, I create Loving My Dots, which is my handle across all social media and created myself my brand and logo and everything and my website and started sharing videos and posts and connecting with people that also have the same condition, other skin conditions, disabilities, or whoever feels different in some way in their lives and can connect with I see. And just want to feel that acceptance in our own skin. That is yes. always very powerful. So I want to talk about what's out with scars. Hiding behind our scars is out. Talk to me a little bit about this. Like, what are your thoughts about where we don't necessarily go out or do the things that we normally would do because of our scars? I think I use different things to hide in my life, hide my condition or my scars. I think I had different phases. So first, I would look at myself in a mirror and see, oh, I'm really ugly. I, why I'm uneven? Like each side of my face is different. I wish I was like other people. And then I start accepting that and feeling pretty when I look at myself in the mirror. And then I would be reminded when I would go outside mm. from other people. So that was always like, that anxiety of, oh my gosh, I'm going to go out. They're going to talk about it. They are going to make me feel different than I felt when I was looking myself in the mirror. I cut my bangs first time. I think I was 15. And I love bangs because it's a style. But I use my bangs in my hair. I have a lot of hair. I had even more back then to kind of hide my face. I think that when it comes to bangs, as a hairdresser, I sit there and I think it's supposed to frame everything, put everything in a beautiful frame to showcase how gorgeous your face is. But I can understand when I was a kid, 
I used to grow my bangs down to here so I could hide. But that's just from my natural shyness when I was a kid. But yeah, bangs are a powerful one. It's definitely a powerful one. I keep thinking of for years, and I feel like you're from Brazil, so you you might understand this whole idea of going out in a bathing suit. I had three children, gained a ton of weight. I have stretch marks like all over my stomach. They're scarring no matter how you look at it. And for years, I would cover up. I would not be comfortable. I would not participate in a lot of things. And it wasn't until, funny enough, I was at the beach and I saw someone. She was wearing a bikini. She was with her kids. She was having a great time. And guess what? She had scarring like I did. And I sat there thinking to myself, why am I missing out on this moment in my life? Why am I caring about what other people think? And after that, I went and got a bikini. Because let me tell you, it's a lot easier to go to the bathroom when you have a (laughs) two-piece. And I decided I wasn't going to care anymore. And then from there, it progressed to, my body's freaking beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, I got the scarring and everything, but you know what? This is mine. This is mine for the rest of my life. And it's freaking beautiful. I'm ready to like just accept it for the way it is. I think that's like one of those things that I think about when it comes to covering up scars. A lot of us have different ones and we do things to kind of negate it or not let the world see. But in the meantime, we're making ourselves very uncomfortable. I love that. Go. I got a little emotional here. Thank you for sharing, Daniel. I think scars, they represent something so beautiful, so poetic almost. They are a reminder of your story. You have your stretch marks because of your journey. Being a woman, you gain weight, you lost weight. You had three kids. I created life. (laughs) Right? And you're alive and you're like being a mother, a professional. The stretch marks are really the reminder of your story. And it's really beautiful. The problem is we don't see other people around, right? We don't see in the outlets. We don't see in the magazines. We don't see in the catwalk, and the fashion week, people with stretch marks. So, okay, if you're rational, you're like, no, I need to love myself because everybody has stretch marks. But behind of our mind, you know, our psychological, we don't see that as the reality because the representation of beauty that is communicate everywhere, social media, TV, movies, it is, oh, the perfect body is beautiful. And even if that model has stretch marks, we're going to Photoshop. And even then, let's say it was in a runway and there was a woman with scarring, whether it be stretch marks or any kind of scarring. That's the other thing I keep on thinking is out, is owing anybody your story. If you want to share it, that's great. But why does it have to be told? Like, why do I have to share something that's personal? Yes, I like gained like a hundred pounds with my first child. I just like, it was a lot. But why do I owe anybody an explanation for the way my body is? Can it just be accepted? So that's also something I think about a lot when it comes to anybody that is brave enough or loves themselves well enough that they want to go out there natural the way they are, why do we have to explain ourselves? 
Yeah, I think the explanation is, let's say, the next level of this evolution, <laughs> because it just happened to me, right? When I was a kid, there was no internet and was even more rare. There were no other people representing myself, right? There were nowhere I could see myself and people could not see myself. So they would ask more. Today, here in the US, uh, with internet and so many other content creators talking about scars and also birthmarks in different types, people really don't feel uncomfortable that much anymore because they have seen before. So I think the question exists when it's the situation or the condition It is taboo or it is unknown, right? It is a mm -hmm. question. It is, oh, what is that? Because if you see more people with scars in the movies or everywhere, you're like, oh, it's a woman. It's not a woman with scars. It's not a woman with stretch marks. It's a woman. And we can go and talk even more uh, of that, something that I have covered before, is always when you see people with scars, they are the bad guy. They are the villain. The reference you have about people with scars is something happened to them. They were in an accident. Or if they are a character of a story, they're mean. I sometimes think that, now don't get me wrong, I personally think the villains are usually far more in-depth and they're like far more interesting characters. But I think that is probably, the scar is a device. A scar shows that there was a history. There was something, like you were saying earlier, It's a reminder of a story, a life journey. So in a weird way, it is a, an interesting device that they use for a villain because it's implied. But yeah, I think it should be a little bit more embraced on even the heroines of the story. Exactly. <laughs> no, nothing happened to them in this journey of fighting and, you know. <laughs> Without a doubt. Why not? I'm a hero. I'm here. You are too. We all are. Why, you know, let's put some little scars here and there just to make that natural and show the beauty of their story, like you said, like their journey. And that's also a thing that you were saying earlier that I thought was really interesting about also feeling like you don't have to embrace your scars 100% of the time, all the time. You're allowed to feel a certain way about it. And just because you're talking about it and you're normally very open about it, it's okay to have days that it's just, you're just not feeling it. <laughs> yes, that's human, right? I think that's that's the truth. And I... Every time I speak or on my across my social media, I try to be honest with that because I don't also want to uh, give people the wrong impression and like the toxic positivity where, mm -hmm. oh, look at her. I need to be like her because she's happy dancing. She's feeling good about herself, but it's just, you know, a process. And then when you're not feeling the same way, you're thinking, what's wrong with me? Like, I'm trying to embrace it, but like some days I really feel like garbage. Yes. And I don't want to show up on social media at all. I had a very, very long break, like long break because of my mental health. And I really was in a different phase and like sharing my story. It was not really helpful for me at the moment. And if I say the truth, I would probably make people feel really sad and worry about me. So I'm like, I stepped away. Like last year, I didn't post if you see my feed. So now I'm feeling better and I'm here. So I don't know. It's all about respecting yourself, embracing the phase you are, 
what is happening in your life, and it's all good. And some days are good, some days are challenging. So let's go right into what's in with SCARS. And I want to jump right into that community aspect, because if there's anything that I know for certain, community is one of the most important things for anything in our lives. But when you know there are other people that are going through the same experience, that's life-changing. What is your experience with that? I love that. Yeah. Community is one of the most important things that helped me to be in this journey and accept myself. I think starting in my childhood, meeting my first friends that really saw me as Natalia, as a a new friend and who I am behind my scars, behind my Mm -hmm. condition or anything that could make them uncomfortable. I think that community was the first community that was like, okay, I found it. They don't have scars or any condition, but they love me the way I am. Uh, And then moving forward, fast forward to when I started loving my dots and finding other people with Nevos was so special. Like, Mm. I have lived all these years thinking I I was the only one in the world. I was the only one suffering bullying. I was the only one feeling different. But look at them. They also have Nevos. They have different types of Nevis. And that becomes really isolating when you feel as though, like, you don't know anybody that has the same thing. You might find some people that have a little something that's similar, but it's not the same. And then when you find those people, you're like, it's like life changing. Yeah. And it's really tricky because understanding that you're unique in your own difference, you also victimize yourself. And put yourself in a very dark place where, oh, poor me, or every time people say something or they act in a way, you always kind of feel like it is because of your birthmark, because you are unique, because you have differences. Sometimes it's not even that. So it is very heavy and dark sometimes. So when you find a community, even if it is people with disabilities different than your condition, you feel more like normal and you you feel like you have the same power and value and to live your life. You normalize w- what is different because you see differences around you. And social media can be very toxic and negative, but I think my experience mostly it is very positive in a way that I can connect with people in another continent. I have friends in London, in different countries, and we keep in touch, we talk, we collaborate, uh, we visit each other. I have traveled and, and met them in person. It is so empowering. Like, see yourself in other people, in other people's stories. That is something that connects us that is so strong, which is our story and journey. Mm-hmm. All right. Truth be told, I am a TikTok addict. I I love TikTok. And uh, some of the creators I follow, and I love the beauty, I love the makeup, the hair, everything. I love looking at it and getting tips. There's a few different content creators that I have watched that have scarring and they love to do their makeup, their hair, whatever it may be. Sometimes they're covering, sometimes they're enhancing. It is 
fascinating to see this beautiful community of people that are rallying around and learning from all the different tips and tricks that they're doing. I really think this is on trend now. What are your thoughts about it? Have you seen any of this? Yes, I have a lot of friends that I, I follow. We, we have worked together before. Some of them actually highlight their birthmarks, right? Makes pop-up and put like different colors. I'm not in makeup at all. I don't know. I know basic, but I, I make sure I don't hide my scar. That's a very important thing. So yeah, I, I love to see that. I get very inspired by them because we are all content creators and it's nice to see different ways to communicate the message I wanted. I talk a lot about embracing myself and mental health, but uh, there are other fun and different ways to speak about differences too. And I love some that, you know, do the dances, the trend <laughs> and makeup. There is so much you can explore and also feel like that being different, it is normal, you know, and mm. I work a lot with brands, right, and, and creators, and I see that more brands are embracing and understanding that they should have models and creators in their campaigns that have differences, and I'm always watching them, watching the, the brands <laughs> and how they have been changing, and I always, you know, reach out to them to work with them or just, you know, to say, hey, Good job in this campaign. I love to see myself in that campaign. Mm -hmm. So if I like your products now, I will be like an advocate and an ambassador just organically because you're not only making good products, but you are first giving opportunities to diverse creators and models. And second, you are a big brand, you are a big outlet. So use that to communicate and support normalizing the differences, normalizing disabilities. It's funny because I do find that brands have been embracing diversity in that way more than they used to. Before, it always seemed like it's perfection or go home, um, which for any average human being is difficult to wrap your brain around. I mean, that's just not normal. And to see that not only are they really starting to lean towards everyday people and not such perfection, but also just everything when it comes to embracing the diversity of all of us. That has been one of my favorite things that I've been watching for the past few years. And I do think that social media and people like you are the catalyst of that because there is such an embracing feel to it. There's so many people that relate to it, whether they had the same experience as you or skin condition that you had, or if it was something different, they're able to see themselves reflected in you. And I think brands are starting to take notice of that. I think so. Yeah. I mean, marketing, right? So that's my job. I talk directly with brands a lot, myself as a creator or a manager, and I see that is a slow process, but I can see that is moving and they are including in their business strategy, including their roster and their list of creators and models, BIPOC people, and also 
people with disabilities. It is a very slow process. I wish I would see more. Definitely. I don't want to make it sound like it's like everybody is like, <laughs> no, no, we got a ways to go. Yeah. But it's a nice trend to see. And I'm hoping that it is not a trend. I'm hoping this is permanent. I'm hoping this is the new reality of beauty, of fashion, of any kind of marketing that's out there that is really representing all of us. It is. And uh, I think the beauty of having a creator or a model in a campaign is a customer that doesn't have any condition or disability. See that model and look at them and say, see, they are in a wheelchair. They have a disability or a scar, a facial scar. And they are still amazing. They're still beautiful. And they're looking, wearing this clothing in a very beautiful way. So they also start asking less about themselves in terms of being perfect, mm -hmm. right? Because the role model, the reference, it's not anymore the women that is skinny, white, no stretch marks, or maybe she was Photoshop. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Right? Uh, I think I might have done that a few times when I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> we all, right? Not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> so the representation, the, the role model, that customer, that women is seeing, it is a person with differences. And that is normal and that is beautiful and that's just human. It's human. And that changed their perception and changed the perception of youth, which is crazy how much they consume information that will form their perspective about life and themselves, right? Mm -hmm. That changed the next generation. So whatever we are doing here, whatever, like today we are talking about this and it's helping to make change. We're fighting a good fight, Natalia. Yes. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today because it's setting off my week really, really well. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. It was so nice talking to you, Daniel. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy the show, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm your host, Danielle Frank. What's In With Olaplex is produced in partnership with Olaplex and Frequency Media. Lizzie Stewart is our producer. Emily Krumberger is our associate producer. Ina Garkusha is our supervising producer. And Michelle Quarry is our executive producer. These episodes are recorded by Dante Hodge and mixed by Matthew Ernest Filler and Claire Bidigari Curtis. Development and strategy by Jessica Olivier, Sara Naz Jababayi, and Sarah Adams. 